Welcome to the Evolutionary Androgen Podcast. I'm Charlotte Alea, and I am on a quest for the stories that reveal to us our evolutionary potential. I search folklore throughout time and from around the globe that hold the keys to transform humanity's current crisis, from fractured and separated to whole and healed. As we unify feminine with masculine, a new version of us is emerging. Welcome to the Sapphire Ray of Beauty. As I share at each episode, think of every step we take on our evolutionary quest as one ray of a rainbow. I have been tripped up over this episode for weeks. To be completely honest, dear listeners, I have not known how to do this topic of beauty justice. I mean, how does one crack open the concept of beauty in a linear intellectual format such as this one? For a while, I thought I would share one of the great creation myths of the world because all the beauty we see and experience within and without began somewhere, right? It began in the beginning. But cramming the whole universe into a 30-minute podcast, it became apparent that it just wasn't a viable endeavor. So then I realized that I was going about this episode all wrong. The reason it wasn't landing for me was because beauty is something that cannot be contained, cannot be analyzed or picked apart. Beauty simply is. Beauty touches us from the inside. It reaches our hearts, our senses, but even deeper than that, it reaches aspects of which our conscious mind has no awareness. Beauty is sensational, emotional, and spiritual, but it is not intellectual. And so we're going to do a bit of a reversal in this episode. I'm going to read to you some poetic folklore with zero commentary at the end, none at all. So we can take it in and revel in the beauty of simply listening. So we may receive these ballads on non-rational, non-intellectual levels. Our divine feminine archetype for this sapphire ray of beauty is the alchemist. And so it is fitting that all the pieces I'm going to read to you are about the process of alchemy. An incredibly ancient form of alchemy at that, predating the medieval European revival of the art and science by thousands of years, carried through into our current era through the indigenous oral tradition of the British Islands. Yes, you heard me correctly. Alchemy is the process of taking 
the raw ingredients of our humanity. So the heavy emotions, the baggage from our past, the karma from our ancestors and so forth, and transforming them into the purest frequency of divine love and beauty. It is a tradition steeped in great mystery and entire esoteric schools all over the world have devoted themselves to its study and practice. Because for the sake of this podcast in particular, we are concerned with human evolution, right? Evolutionary antigen. And of transforming the damage caused to us and our planet into something new. So beauty, as we may define it, is intricately linked with alchemy. Before we may discover and know the beauty we contain within, we must alchemize the raw material of our sordid, fraught, and disturbed pasts. Think about the aspects of nature that exemplify beauty. A lotus blossom, for example. The lotus grows out of the murky, muddy sludge of the underbelly of the swamp. It utilizes that sludge as food and transforms it into a pure expression of beauty. A flower like the lotus is perfectly balanced and designed, containing within its form both the sacred geometric and mathematical patterns of the universe, and also each lotus blossom is unique. None are quite the same. We can say that the same thing happens within our own inner alchemy, where we break down the raw ingredients of our being into their most base states, return them to the source of their creator, in which they are remade into a unique expression of perfection. The pieces I'm going to read to you come directly from the book, The Underworld Initiation by R.J. Stewart, Mercury Publishing, but they have not been written by him. They have been collected, as I mentioned before, through oral tradition, that is, passed down word of mouth for countless generations. It is important to reiterate this point because It is in the hearing and telling of these stories, often repeatedly and often in many variations, that the symbols take root within the deepest levels of our beings and come to life, ushering us through new portals, ushering us into the transformative process of alchemy. What is also important to ground into before receiving these stories is that alchemy is a multidimensional process and experience. Through the process of alchemy, we open ourselves into traveling into and through other worlds. 
This is not a journey that occurs solitarily within just our own third dimensional being and awareness. It is co-created through other beings in other dimensions. It is not a psychological process. It is a spiritual experience. This is precisely why alchemy and beauty cannot be contained or sufficiently addressed within an intellectual discussion. I know this is going to require a leap of faith for some of you listening. And if your mind is struggling with the concept, I invite you to simply be curious and surrender to the potential that may awaken for you if what I shared could actually be true. (laughs) To saturate your mind, before we begin, I am going to leave some keys for you, some patterns in the ballads to look out for. Okay, so here they are. The mention of the color green as indicating being one with the earth. The mention of blood in the color red as the activation of the inner flame of transformation. The color white or milk to indicate the presence of benevolent ancestors and guides. Fairy, elf, hell, or foreign lands to indicate other worlds where the transformation takes place. Trees, flowers, and branches to indicate points of connection between this world and another world. Wine to indicate gifts, blessings, and medicine from a being in another world. And finally, the number seven as indicating the duration of the alchemical journey and transformation. Please hold all of these in your consciousness, only lightly or even not at all. Allow the alchemical magic of these stories to work you on levels of which your mind will have no clue. If you feel confused at the completion of listening, it is a positive sign. Let's begin with a story entitled Young Tam Lin, which is a traditional Scottish ballad. Again, all of these come from the book The Underworld Initiation by R.J. Stewart. The king forbade his maidens, eh, that wore gold in their hair, to come and go by Carter Ha, for the young Tam Lin is there. And those that go by Carter Ha, from them he takes a fee, either their rings or their mantles, or else their maiden heads. So Janet has kilted her green mantle just a little above her knee, and she has gone to Carter Ha just as fast as she could flee. She had not pulled a double rose, 
arose but three or four, when up and spoke this young Tam Lin, crying, Lady, pull no more. How dare you pull those flowers? How dare you break those wands? How dare you come to Carterhaw withouten my command? She says, Carterhaw, it is my own. My father gave it to me. And I will come and go by here withouten any leave of thee. There were four and twenty ladies gay, all sitting down at chess. In and come the fair young Janet, as pale as any glass. Up and spake her father dear. He spake up meek and mild. Oh, alas, Janet, he cried, I fear you go with child. And if I go with child, it is myself to blame. There's not a lord in all your hall that shall give my child his name. Janet has kilted her green mantle just a little above her knee, and she has gone to Cowderha for to pull the scathing tree. How dare you pull that herb all among the leaves so green for to kill the bonny babe that we got us between. You must tell to me, Tam Lin, Ah, you must tell to me, were you once a mortal knight, or mortal hall did see? I was once a mortal knight. I was hunting here one day. I did fall from off my horse. The fairy queen stole me away. And pleasant is the fairy land, but a strange tale I'll tell. For at the end of seven years, they pay a fine to hell. At the end of seven years, they pay a fine to hell. And as I am of mortal flesh, I fear it is myself. Tomorrow night is Halloween, and the fairy folk do ride. Those that would their true love win, at Miles Cross they must hide. First, you let pass the black horse. Then you let pass the brown, but run up to the milk-white steed and pull the rider down. First, they'll change me in your arms into some snake or adder. Hold me close and fear me not, for I'm your child's father. Then they'll turn me in your arms into a lion wild. Hold me close and fear me not as you would hold your child. Then they'll turn me in your arm into a red-hot bar of iron. Hold me close and fear me not, for I will do no harm. Then they'll turn me in your arms into some burning lead. Throw me into well water and throw me in with sped. Last, they'll turn me in your arms into a naked knight. Wrap me up in your green mantle and hide me close from sight. So well she did what he did say, so did her true love win. She wrapped him up in her mantle as blithe as any bird in spring. 
Up and spake the fairy queen, and angry cried she, If I had known of this, Tamlin, that some lady borrowed thee, If I had known of this, Tamlin, that some lady borrowed thee, I'd have plucked out thine eyes of flesh and put in eyes from a tree. If I had known of this, Tamlin, before we came from home, I'd have plucked out thine heart of flesh and put in a heart of stone. The next story I'm going to read to you is entitled Thomas the Rhymer and is based on an actual person known as Lord Learmont or Thomas of Ursuldun, who lived in the 13th century and was someone who was known to be a master in the spiritual practice of alchemy. Okay, so here goes. True Thomas lay o'er yon crassy bank, and he beheld a lady gay, a lady that was both brisk and bold, come riding o'er the ferny bray. Her skirt was of the grass-green silk, her mantlet of the velvet fine. At ilka tet of her horse's mane hung fifty silver bells and nine. True Thomas, he took off his hat and bowed him low down to his knee. All hail, thou mighty queen of heaven, for your peer on earth I ne'er did see. Oh no, oh no, true Thomas, she says, that name does not belong to me. I am but the queen of fair Elfland that has come for to visit thee. But ye mon go with me now, Thomas, true Thomas, ye mon go with me. For ye mon serve me seven years, through well or way as may change to be. She turned about her milk-white steed and took true Thomas up behind. And I, whenever the bridle rang, the steed flew swifter than the wind. For forty days and forty nights he weighed through red blood to the knee, and he saw neither sun nor moon, but heard the roaring of the sea. Oh, they raid on and further on, until they came to a garden tree. Light down, light down, ye lady free, and I'll pull of that fruit for thee. Oh no, oh no, true Thomas, she says, that fruit mon not be touched by thee, for all the plagues that are in hell light on the fruit of this country. But I have a loaf here in my lap, likewise a bottle of red wine, and now ere we go further on we'll rest a while, and ye may dine. When he had eaten and drunk his fill, she said, Lay your head upon my knee, and ere we climb yon high, high hill, I will show you fairlies three. Ah, see ye not that broad, broad road that lies by the lily leaven? Oh, that is the way of wickedness, though some call it the road to heaven. 
And see ye not that narrow, narrow road, all beset with thorns and briars? Oh, that is the way of righteousness, though after it but few inquires. And see ye not that bonny, bonny road, which winds about the ferny bray? Oh, that is the road to fair Elfland, where you and I this night mon gay. But Thomas, you must hold your tongue, whatever you may hear or see, for if one word you should chance to speak, you will never get back to your own country. He has gotten a coat of the green, green cloth, likewise shoes of the velvet sheen, until seven years were past and gone, to Thomas ne'er on earth was seen. This last story is called Lord Bateman and was a widespread, well-known ballad. Young Bachin, he was a noble lord, a noble lord of high degree. He's gathered all his silks and rubies to the Turkish land to go and see. He first sailed east and then he sailed west until he came to the Turkish shore and he was caught all in strong prison, never to be released no more. Beside the prison there grew a tree. It grew so mightily stout and long. He was tied all about his middle until his life was almost gone. Oh, the gowler, he had only one daughter, the fairest one that ever you'd see. She stole the keys to her father's dwelling and vowed young Bachin she'd set free. She took him down to the lowermost cellar. She drew him a drink of the strongest wine, and every moment seemed an hour. Oh, young Baichen, if you were mine, let's make a vow and let's make a promise. Let's make a vow and make it stand. You vow you'll marry with no mortal woman, and I'll vow to marry with no mortal man. They made this vow, they made this promise, they made this vow and made it stand. He vowed he'd marry with no other woman until she'd married some other man. And seven long years had rolled around, it seemed as if it was ninety-nine. She dressed up in her finest gold clothing and vowed young Bachin she'd go find. She went down to the broad waterside. She set foot in a ship of fame with a mast of gold and the sails of silk to carry her far across the main. And when she came to his castle gate, she knocked so loud upon the ring. Who's there? Who's there? cried the proud young porter. Who knocks so loud but cannot get in? Is this young Bachin's castle, she cried, or is the Lord himself within? Oh yes, oh yes, cries the proud young porter. He's this very day brought his new bride home. 
Go remember to him a piece of bread. Go remember to him a glass of wine. Go remember to him the fair Turkish lady who freed him from the cold iron chains. Away and away goes this proud young porter. As fast as lightning away he goes. Until he came to the young Bechen's chamber, and he went down on his bended knee. It's seven years I have served thee, seven long years and another three, and the fairest lady now stands at your gate that my own true eyes did ever see. She has a gold ring on each finger, and on her middle one she has three, and she has more gold all around her middle than would buy yourself and your castle free. She begs you send her one cut of your bread, she begs you send her one glass of wine, she begs you remember the fairest lady who freed you from the cold iron chains." He stamped his foot upon the floor. He broke the table in pieces three. Says I'll forsake both land and wedding for the fair Sophia that set me free. Oh, up and spake the new bride's mother, was never heard to speak so free, saying, what will become of my only daughter since young Sophia has crossed the sea? If I wedded your only daughter, I swear that's she none the worse of me, for she came to me on a horse and a saddle and will ride home in a coach and three. Sophia, she came to the castle gate and knocked so loud that they let her in. She's got more gold on her little finger than the new bride and all her kin. I'll leave you there, listeners. Happy metabolizing, percolating, and alchemizing. We'll be back next month with a different story from a different part of the world as we journey to the indigo ray of mystery. You have been listening to The Evolutionary Androgen, A Mythic Quest, with me, Charlotte Alea. If you liked this episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review. Thanks for tuning in.